0: Okay, so this morning uh, we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, just finishing it up, looking at the last two verses, and then we're getting into chapter 6, and so let's open with a word of prayer. Father God, we do uh, thank you for your word, we thank you for the instructions you give to your people, and uh, things that we can learn from that. And this morning as we look at uh, chapter 6 in Corinthians, we can learn some more about um, your plan for us and, and how we can apply that in our lives and how Christians in general should should apply that. We just pray you'll bless our time now this morning and help us to learn and to understand and, and to use your word. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so we typically read through a passage to get our, our bearings and we'll kind of, we start at the front and work back each person reads just one verse, and if you don't want to read, you just say pass. So you can either re- read a verse or just say pass. Uh, what we're going to do is look at chapter six. Just read verses one through eight. And okay. Marie, you want to start for us?
1: When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints,
2: or do you not? What? <coughs> or do you not know that the Lord's people would judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, you are not com- com- you are not competent oh, competent competent to judge vote cases. Competent? I'm not competent.
3: <laughs> <laughs> do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this life?
4: So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church?
0: Okay, Jim, do you want to do verse five for us, or? Verse verse 6 or pass. But
2: brother goeth to the law with brother, and that before the unbelievers.
0: Okay, actually then it is already a defeat for you that you have lawsuits with one another. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be defrauded?
1: But you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brothers.
0: Okay, so that's uh, that's where we're going as soon as we tie up the loose ends on chapter 5. So... um, chapter 5 uh, he was dealing with a case of incest in the church and that's kind of announced in, in the first verse. but most of it was about uh, not so much about that sin itself but about the way that the church was handling it. They didn't do anything. So they had this sin in the church that as, as Paul says, even the Gentiles don't do this. it was against Roman law um, and they weren't doing they weren't judging it. And so Paul is writing from Ephesus, and so he says, I'm, I'm going to judge it from here, even, just like as if I was there in Corinth with you, that this person has to be put out of the church. He has to be excommunicated in order that uh, this discipline will cause him to repent and return to the church fellowship. And he... Um, he condemns the Corinthians because they thought that they knew better than God how to handle a situation. Basically, you know, we've gone through the Old Testament, gone through a lot of other verses in New Testament where it talks about the different steps of discipline. Well, they were just going to accept him as he is and let him continue in sin, and they were wrong. And Paul is telling them that. You're, you're arrogant. You think you know better than God, and that's not right. And then the latter part of chapter 5 he's, he's dealing with how do you associate with people. And he had written them before. It's a, a letter that's not included in the scriptures. He's writing to them here in 1 Corinthians and he and then we also saw that he uh, addressed it again in 2 Corinthians. How do we associate with unbelievers? You know, in one place he says you can go and eat with them um, but you don't yoke get uh, you know a partnership or yoked with them you know that's where we we know not to marry an unbeliever because we'd be unequally yoked so you're in the world but you have to maintain some separation from unbelievers on the other hand in verse 11 he says we've got this so-called believer someone who calls himself a believer but he lives as bad or worse than the unbelievers and he says don't even eat with him um, and that compares with the passage we read that, you know, if an unbeliever asks you to come eat with them, go and eat with them. So we see that uh, there's stricter rules applying to those who call themselves believers and are in the church and who sin, versus those outside where, I mean, you expect sinners to sin. You know, they're unsaved. You have to accept that. You just don't have to join with them in, in their sin. And so that's kind of where we were at in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, and so we're getting down uh, today to verses 12 and 13. It says, But for what, do I have to, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church, but those who are outside God judges? Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. So this kind of summarizes uh, the main points of verses 10 and 11. And so first, Paul addresses the unbelievers in 12a and 13a, where he says, what do I have to do with judging outsiders? And then, but those who are outside, God judges. Back in verse 10, uh, he calls them the immoral people of this world. Those who are not saved, those who are not part of the church. And it's just kind of an interesting word in the Greek because you've got outsiders. The Greek word is exo, E-X-O. And so we have a, a preposition in Greek, ex, which means uh, out or away from. And that's where we get the word exit. It's posted over our door. You know, that, has the, that comes from the Greek. Exo are, refers to those who are outside. It's the adjective. When you exit, you become an outsider because you go out. And it's, it's a fairly common word in the Gospels and in the book of Acts where it describes those who are outside the city, or we went out into the desert, or we went out. You know, it has to do with physical location. And so it's a common word, and, and, but here uh, Paul is using it a little bit differently. He's referring to the church, the body of Christ, Um, now if you notice in verse 12 you probably have the word church in in your translation in in italics yes it's not in the original but it's understood it's obvious that that's what he's talking about and so the translation's added here to to make it more clear Um, but it's talking about those who are outside and Paul uses it uh to describe a person's uh, spiritual position. Typically it's used of a physical position. Here Paul uses it in their spiritual position. They are outside the body of Christ. They are outside the God's elect. Let's look at Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5. Chapter 4 and verse 5 someone would like to read that verse for us Colossians 4-5 walk in wisdom toward
4: outsiders making the best
0: use of the time ok so here Paul is using it in the same, same sense the outsiders, those who are outside the body of Christ and he's talking about how we ought to behave so that we have a good witness toward them and let's go back to Mark chapter 4 and here's an example of uh, Jesus using this term Mark chapter 4. Someone like to read verses 11 and 12 when we get there. Mark 4, 11 and 12.
1: 11 to what now? 11 and
0: 12. And he said to them, To you
1: has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven.
0: Okay. In verse 10 it says, His followers and the twelve begin asking Him. So Jesus says He's got His followers, but then He's got those who are on the outside, those who are not really following Him. They get parables. So that they really don't understand. Um, so that's how he, Jesus used that term of, of outside those who are not following him. And then one last uh, passage Let's turn to Revelation chapter 22 this is the I guess the ultimate outsider <clears throat> Revelation chapter 22 someone like to read verses 14 and 15 for us. Blessed are those who wash
3: their robes so that they might have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying.
0: Okay, so we have those who have entered. They're the insiders versus those who are outside. So this is the New Jerusalem, the heavenly state. Those who are in Christ have entered into the New Jerusalem. Those who are outside, uh, he describes them here, you know, by what they are. They, they have not been changed. You know, those who, when we come to Christ, we're new creatures, we're new creations. And we'll see that as we get further along in chapter 6 in Corinth, in Corinthians, in Corinthians um, where he lists a whole bunch of sins and he says, This is what you were. But those who do not come to Christ, they're still they still are these things they're still typified by their sins so back in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 Paul has he's ordered the Corinthians to discipline the believer to excommunicate him um, but now he's saying we don't have anything to do with outsiders this is an insider that you're dealing with he's been in the church he claims to be a christian um What about the outsiders? And Paul basically says, I don't have any authority over them. God will judge them. Um, And we we see that here um, in verse 13. But those who are outside, God judges. And he will judge uh, through Christ. Let's look at Acts chapter 17. This is an example of God judging the outsiders. Acts chapter 17. Someone like to read verses thirty and thirty-one.
2: In the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people wherever everywhere to repent. For he has sent a day when he will judge. He had set a day when he will judge. The world of justice justice by the man. He
0: has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone who, by raising him from the dead. Okay, so this is uh, Paul in, in Corinth at the Europagus talking to all the philosophers and telling them about God. And, and he gets to this point where he's in verse 31 about God judging the world. And it's through the man that he has resurrected as Christ. So the judgment of God upon uh, the world will be through Jesus Christ. And um, we see that again. Let's turn to Romans chapter 2. Romans 2, verse 16. someone would like to read that for us?
3: On the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus.
0: Okay, so this is what Paul is talking about. You know, God judges the outsiders, and it's through Jesus Christ. And you know, I can see at the final judgment, Jesus will look at each one and basically ask him, "Well, what did you do with me?" He's the one that died for them, and so it's, <laughs> in a sense, it's very personal. I died for you. I'm the light of the world. I shed my light. I gave you. You know, what did you? How did you respond to me? And if they reject him, or they have rejected him, then he will in turn reject them. Okay, so that answers in these two questions. What about the outsiders? No, we don't judge them. God judges them. Um, but what about believers? In 12 and 13, what does it say about the believers? Um, and here it's called those who are within the insiders, and I thought it was interesting the Greek because the outsiders are XO, exo, the insiders are S-O, eso, eso. <laughs> so it's like we've inside outside, exo eso, um, but uh, whereas exo outsiders was, uh, that was a common word in the New Testament, used in a specific way here, S-O is not very common. Um, and in the New Testament, Paul uses this most of the time to refer to the inner man. He's talking about our new nature, our inner man. Um, and here he uses it to refer to the church. So it's a little different usage in this particular case, referring to those who are inside the body of Christ. I want to turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Someone like to read verse 16 for us.
1: So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day.
0: Okay. We have both words here. Our outer self is wasting away. Our inner man is being renewed. So there's outer and inner. So, Paul is telling the believers at Corinth... That they are to judge those inside the church, you know, according to Christ's standard of righteousness. And apparently they were avoiding any form of judgment at all. And even when church discipline was required, they were not doing it. Um, They were too accepting. You know, Um, we're supposed to be patient and long suffering, but you get to a certain point and God requires some discipline in in the lives of believers. Um, And then finally, at the end of verse 13, um, Paul uses an Old Testament passage to justify his order that they uh, excommunicate this person. And it says, Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. So that's a pretty blunt statement. That comes from Deuteronomy. Let's look back at Deuteronomy chapter 13. So under the law, when uh, Jews violated the Mosaic law, they would be put out from amongst them, themselves, as it says there. <clears throat> so let's look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 13. Someone would like to read verse 5 for us.
4: death, because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, <clears throat> and redeemed you out of the house of slavery, to make you the way in, in which the Lord, our God, commanded you to walk, so that you shall purge the evil
0: from your midst. Okay, so here we have the false prophet, who is to be stoned, and the final line there, you shall purge the evil from among you. In the Septuagint, the, the Greek translation That's where Paul quotes, Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. Purge the evil. You saw earlier in in chapter 5 where it talks about leaven, leavening the whole lump. And here he's saying, get rid of the leaven. Purge it. Um, In Deuteronomy, let's turn to chapter 17. Okay. If you look at verse 7 last sentence, So you shall purge the evil from your midst." And then down at verse 12, the last sentence, "Thus you shall purge the evil from Israel. So we have that over and over again through the law that when someone's violating the law, God says, "Put them outside um, the congregation, you purge the evil. And that's what Paul is quoting here at the very end of chapter five in, in First Corinthians. Get rid of that evil that's among you; it's a bad influence. Uh, should not be there. Okay, so now we can start chapter six. Um, and there's a there's kind of a continuing. Uh, topic here, it has to do with judging. So they've got someone who is committing a, a sin of incest, absolutely wrong, and they don't judge him. Now in chapter 6 the problem is they've got these like disputes between believers and the church. Well they don't judge that either, they go to the civil courts, the secular courts. So it's again, the church is not, doing its job correctly in judging the believers within its midst so let's look at verse one in chapter six does any of you when he has a case against his neighbor dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints and so this is kind of it shows paul's exasperation with them Um, we had a little bit of that in chapter five verse one where he introduces that issue He says, it's actually reported there's immorality among you. Uh, And immorality of such a kind does not even exist among the Gentiles. How bad can you guys get? (laughs) And so here he's doing it again. The first word in the Greek is the word dare. And in the the Greek, that's a place of emphasis. So Paul is saying, how dare you? how dare you do something so inappropriate for Christians? And what are they doing? They have two believers. They have a dispute. And it's probably over property or money or business, something like that. This is more like a civil dispute. It's not a, it's not a murder case, you know, a criminal case. It's a civil case. Um, and so they go to a secular court for judgment. Um, now in our translations are a little bit different I, I have a New American Standard it says, has a case against his neighbor um, I know Revised Standard says case against his brother the word is just another you've got a case against another very generic word it's assumed to be a Christian from the context we assume it to be a Christian and again, um... Some of the translations kind of try to tell you that. But the word is just another. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a chapter on spiritual gifts. But someone would like to read verses 8 through 10 for us? For to one
3: is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues.
0: Okay, another, another, another. These are all believers. It's pretty obvious in first. In chapter twelve, and so we have that same thing here in chapter six. Uh, he's not talking about you've got a civil suit going on against an unbeliever. This is within the body of Christ that they're, uh, and we can when we get to the uh, like verses seven and eight, it becomes obvious that it's uh, a case within the church. So he he says, "You dare to go to law before the unrighteous or the ungodly." Um, And he contrasts this with not before the saints. He calls them saints. This this means, you know, holy ones. Now, he's not saying that the secular judges are necessarily corrupt. This is just another way of calling them unbelievers. If we look down at verse 6, he says, Brother goes to law with brother and that before unbelievers. So that kind of clarifies what we see here. You've got two Christians with a dispute and they go before an unbeliever to resolve it so paul here is you know by calling them unrighteous versus saints he's making a really sharp contrast between um, you know god's standards of righteousness as we see in the in his word versus the standards of those outside the church They walk according to the prince of the power of the air, that's from Ephesians 2. Um, They belong to the domain of darkness, I that's from Colossians 1. That's where their standards of morality come from, from the world, from, from Satan's influence. They do not match the standards of God. So even the best unbelieving judge cannot fully understand God's righteousness. And so, you know, he's saying, on can on the surface, why would you take your dispute to an obviously inferior court? They don't understand God's righteousness. If you, if you keep it within the body of Christ, you have people who do understand that. Um, now, this is not the only problem here. And really, it's, it's not the main emphasis at all. Um, this is actually an affront to God. God. Uh, Looking at uh, the commentaries, the Jewish rabbis uh, concluded that for a Jew to bring a dispute before Gentiles was a violation of the Mosaic Law. That in itself was illegal for them to do it. So let's go back to Deuteronomy again. This time let's look at chapter 1. And this is one of those things that it's not stated, you know, as, as a rule of law, do not go to uh, unbelievers. Um, but it's, it's kind of deduced from that. Deuteronomy chapter 1, would someone like to read verses 16 through 18 for us?
4: And I charge your judges at that time: the cases between your bodies, and judge wisely between the rising and setting, or the alien who is missing. You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's. And the case, and the case that is too hard for you, you shall bring to me, and I will hear it. And I commanded you at that, that time all
0: the things that you should do. Okay. So here Paul is... Paul. Moses! <laughs> Let's go back a few millennia. Um, Moses is telling the Jews, you know, we set up a judicial system. This is a command I have got from God to set up this judicial system and you should use it. Um, you know, it doesn't specifically say if you go outside that you're sinning against it, but I think it's, uh, you know, he's basically saying, you know, I commanded you that you do these things. And so, um, the rabbis uh, basically had taught that you know t- taking a civil suit between Jews to the Gentile courts was uh, immoral, uh, a violation of the law. And that's one of the things that you'll see with the when the Romans were ruling over Israel, they basically allowed the Jews to maintain their own legal system, and they had. All the rights of uh, of a legal system, they could uh, inflict just about any uh, punishment they wanted, except death. And that's why the Pharisees took Christ before Pilate, because they could not. Uh, that was the limit of their authority. They could not uh, put him to death. They had to get Pilate to do that. Okay, I think we can. if we go to Deuteronomy chapter 16, there's more commands about appointing judges, but it pretty much repeats what we just read, that they're, when they go into the land, they are to appoint judges over the people. So after this uh, opening statement, Paul goes on to say, you guys really ought to know better than this. Let's look at verses 2 and 3, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more matters of this life? So, Paul is telling them what they ought to know and that they ought to use that as the basis for their decisions and their actions. Verses 2 and 3 both begin with the phrase Do you not know? We had that phrase back in chapter 3, verse 16. Let's just turn back and look at that. Chapter 3, verse 16. This is the first place we saw it. Someone like to read that for us.
1: Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in
0: you? Okay. He said, you ought to know these things. Um, at that time, you know, from looking at the commentaries, we saw that that phrase is used ten times in this book. Ten times. Uh, it's used again in chapter 5, verse 6. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven lump, leavens a whole lump of dough? Paul had taught them these things. He knew he taught them um, and he expects them to use what he had taught them in their daily lives to guide them. So either either they've forgotten what he had said, possibly they did not understand what he had said or, as it seems to be more likely, they just deliberately ignored his teaching because they thought they knew better. And that's why we see the claim of, he calls, tells them that they're arrogant, because they thought they knew better than Paul. They were rejecting his teaching. So, what are the two things here he says that they ought to know? First, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? So we, you know, this is really the most explicit statement of this that we have in Scripture. Um, but it's indirectly stated in other places. We read in Acts chapter 17 from Eropagus, where Jesus is going to judge the world. So this is part of ruling over the world. The ruler is the judge. Um, let's go to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. The governments in those days, they did not have three branches of government. (laughs) They had a king, and he was sovereign. He made up the laws, he judged the laws, he did as he pleased. So when Christ returns, that is the way he's going to run the earth.
3: Israel, before a king, had judges. Right. Right.
0: They had judges.
3: Or the model God would have wanted.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, Revelation 3, someone like to read verse 21 for us.
3: He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne.
0: Okay. So here Jesus is talking about in this eternal state, or our millennial state, that we will sit with him on his throne. We will share his judgment and uh, his rulership here. Let's look back, uh, just chapter 2, like three, verses 26 and 27.
1: Chapter
0: 2 of Revelation. Revelation, yeah, we're, we're still in Revelation here.
1: The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a, with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority
0: from my father. Okay, so again, he's talking to this. This is the church in Thyatira. If you overcome, you will also rule with me. And in both cases, he says, as I received authority from my father. So he's saying, that we will have as much authority in, in that millennial period as Christ has from the Father to rule. (laughs) Okay, uh, let's go to chapter 20. Chapter 20, verse 4. I'm going to to read that for us.
3: Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark in their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years.
0: Okay, so this is specifically addressing martyrs out of the great tribulational period. They will reign with Christ during the millennium. And part of the reigning is... Judging, They will judge the world. Um, <coughs> we do have one, I want to look at one more special case. Let's go look at Matthew chapter 19. Special case of judging with Christ. Matthew chapter 19 verses 27 and 28.
1: and replied see we have left everything and followed you what then will we have Jesus said to them truly I say to you in the new world when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel
0: okay so here's the, the 12 they will sit on thrones and it specifically says they will judge the 12 tribes of Israel So ruling and judging are are similar. Um, Judging is part of ruling. But here it says they'll be judging them. This is an interesting passage because it says in the regeneration. This is, the word regeneration is only used twice in the New Testament. The other one is in uh, Titus 3, 5 where it talks about the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So this one specifically is dealing with the regeneration of the nation of Israel. When God fulfills the promises He's made to them in the Old Testament to gather Israel from among the nations, to wash them clean, to open their eyes that they can believe and regenerate them, give them hearts of flesh, give them the circumcised spirits, and they will be regenerated as they enter uh, the millennial period. And those are all spiritual blessings as In the church age we enjoy, but for the nation of Israel, it's still a future promise for them. Okay, in our passage, the second thing it says is we shall judge angels. Now, this is not quite as clear in Scripture as judging the world, but the argument is basically the same: as we rule and reign with Christ, he rules over the angels. And so we also will include that in our rule, in our reign. Let's look at uh, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 2. i like to read verse 4. Okay. So this is an example of God through Christ again. He's judging the angels. And in this case, this looking at the context, he's referring back to the, the sons of God in Genesis 6 who intermarried with the uh, daughters of men. We have the same thing in Jude, verse 6, uh, where Jude basically is, is his... Uh, kind of duplicates this you want to look at that Jude 9, verse 6 someone like to read that for us
3: and the angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day
0: okay so this is the same event and the same judgment of angels by Christ by <coughs> God through Christ um, in uh, Revelation chapter 20 verse 10 it talks about Satan being cast into the lake of fire, the final judgment for him um, let's, I'll look at it real quickly, Hebrews chapter 2 we're kind of running over on time. Hebrews chapter 2, In verses 5 through 10. For he did not subject the angels, the world to come, concerning which we are speaking, but he has testified somewhere, saying, When is man that thou rememberest him, or the son of man that thou art concerned with him, thou hast made him a little while lower than angels, thou hast crowned him with glory and honor, and hast appointed him over the works of thy hands? Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subjected to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. But we do see him who has been made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things, and bringing many sons to glory to, for, to perfect the author of their suf- salvation through sufferings. So this is applied, this is Psalm 8, applied to Jesus, where he will rule uh, over the angels, and this includes the millennial period. So in that period, we will co-reign with Christ as Christ judges the world and judges angels we will also share that rulership. Okay, so we're halfway through these verses and we're out of time, so <laughs> we need to close. Joe, you want to close for us?
2: Dear Lord, we do thank you for the opportunity to be able to come and to look to your word. Not, every, not all Christians in this world have the opportunity. We're glad we do. Pray that will be something that we can keep that position. Let us as Christians speak up to so the position will be made clear that that's what we want. And let us be uh, bold in our approaches to those we approach. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you will guide and direct. We thank you for this word. It is a living word of your word to us, to tell us how we should go out and live our lives. Pray we'll be open to it, that we'll listen to it, we'll study, and we'll make ourselves, prove ourselves, approve uh, uh, unto you, that we'll be uh, good ambassadors of yours here on this earth. We thank you for this hour, pray for the next hour to come. Just, Lord, pray you'll be with us and guide us. We pray also for the uh, country of Israel at this time and are just pray that you, as the Creator of all, are in control. Your fresh, prayer, Amen. 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 <sighs>